0: Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick.
1: Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. We're featuring remarks made by Shannon Adcock at the Foundations of Faith and Family Conference hosted by the Spirit of Liberty Church of God in Markham, Illinois. Ms. Adcock is the founder and president of Awake Illinois, a grassroots organization launched by parents and citizens in 2021. Awake is drawing attention to the government school system and how children are being sexualized in that system.
0: I'm actually first generation of restoring the family. My mom grew up in Pilsen, very poor. Her grandmother raised her. Uh, Her parents both abandoned her, and yet they were still in the area. So when her school did a turkey drive around Thanksgiving to donate a meal to a needy family, she knocked on a door, and it was her dad with his five children from the new wife who answered. And my mom is a very intentional mother. I have an intentional father. And I am now raising my children with my husband, and in just two generations, a a beautiful improvement, right, in restoring the family. So, yeah, that's the trajectory that we want for all of our communities. So, again, Shannon Adcock, I live in Naperville, and I'm representing Awake Illinois, the organization I started in 2021, Also Awake Americans, which is a C-3 to supplement the Awake Illinois C-4. I won't bore you with what the details of that means, but it's really just meant to co-op improved grassroots advocacy. So that's where we are, and I'm also a chair of Moms for Liberty. Moms for Liberty is doing a very good job of keeping the national conversation going on parental rights. They are smeared across media. They are depicted as terrible women. These are just regular moms in America that are using a platform to talk about parental rights. The books, the pornographic books, are a big topic that's referenced them in national media. So they're keeping the conversation going, which is what's needed, because gas prices are high. Families are struggling under the weight of the economy. But representing our parental rights and lifting up children's innocence as a priority is still very much needed. So any organization that's going to do that is doing good work. I, in 2020, was living a very comfortable life walking cliche of stay-at-home suburban motherhood. Where am I gonna get my pumpkin spice latte today? Total walking cliche. Not somebody that you would necessarily associate with a calling for ministry, right? Stereotypical suburban mom. And I found myself called to step out of the shadows to defend children, not just my children. I can put them in a crown royal bag of my ideology and close the drawstrings, they're good but I recognize not enough parents were boldly speaking out in the suburbs, in my community, to speak truth. And so my trajectory has been going from from anonymity and being comfortable to now incredibly uncomfortable. And so when I get these in the mail to my home address, the Satanic Temple, thank you. Dear Shannon, a donation to the Satanic Temple has been made in your name, and for that we thank you. Without your influence, this donation would not have happened. Thank you for inspiring the support that helps campaigns fight for religious reproductive rights. What does that mean? Abortion. Promote satanic representation in public schools and public forums and engage in other critical works for our community and beyond. We want you to know how much your contribution to the Satanic Temple's work is appreciated, so please accept our sincerest interests for helping to fund our efforts. Hail Satan, the Satanic Temple. People make these donations in my name and they arrive in the mail. Here's another one. Postmarked thinking of you as the stamp. So this is a um, spiritual war. This is a calling. And where I live, which I would consider to be middle class and where I think we need to wake up people and get them uncomfortable, in the middle class, this is one of discomfort. It's a calling of discomfort. And we have to get uncomfortable. So I've been uncomfortable for the last three years. I've poured a lot of my husband's hard-earned money into this. It has really put us in the red in terms of something that I never thought I would put money into. But here we are. The people who are making these donations in my name, they are lost souls. But we are not. And so the good news is through this, I have found a wonderful army of parents. And that's what keeps me going. Because in this same batch of mail will be thank-you cards from, for example, a grandmother who called me and said, my daughter is very confused. She doesn't know what to do. She's dealing with something. And I was able to plug her in with a support group of parents that are dealing with the same thing. And so good work can be done if you keep on going. And I have awoken and cried out tears. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. The start of school, a man drove down our street and yelled that I'm a Nazi. Why am I doing this? I am just a suburban mom in Naperville, right? So this organization that I started is genuinely meant to empower middle-class people to get uncomfortable because our motto is we can't be canceled. And if you can empower other middle-class people to take a stand and not allow themselves to be canceled, that is powerful because they don't wanna be uncomfortable. They care about what their peers think about them. I don't care, my husband doesn't care. We are going to defend our children intentionally, yes? So I think the long story short is we're making this advocacy work fashionable. So we're proud to work with advocates across the country that are doing just this. So what is parental rights? I think this is a fantastic clause when people are like, what is that? It's the due process clause of the 14th Amendment that protects the fundamental right of parents to direct the care, upbringing, and education of their children. It's not complicated. This is fundamental. Pritzker, nobody else grants it to you and limits it. It is fundamental. So there is a war on children from conception to graduation and what are we doing in it? Are we just sitting back and letting other people do the work for us or are we going to be intentional? Awake Illinois wants to be intentional. So we're setting things right. And I believe that in order to build new systems that will do right by children and families, parents need to wake up to what is happening in the public schools and in these complexes, right? Social media, their peers and the classroom And they have to get their parental rights on record. I can't tell people in the suburbs, hey, homeschool. They will not listen. They don't see the problems yet. They have not been able to commit to this concept because they haven't been told enough of the truth of what is happening. So we are still in very much an education campaign to inform people. And so through this platform, that is what we are looking to do. So no sir is actually an acronym. S is for sexualized. I is for illiterate. And R is for radicals. And it's very stirring to hear that because you think these are our babies, being made into sexualized, illiterate radicals. No, sir. It's a phrase. We've tried to make it catch-on to, again, normalize this conversation on what is happening. So is this happening? It is. Just 30% of students can read at grade level, 26% do math at grade level. So these are the stats. 87% graduate, but only 30% can read at grade level. Yet 90 per- 97% of teachers are rated excellent or proficient. Property tax revenues up 33%, median home values up 5%. Look at the spending per student. Illinois, 12000 higher than Michigan, higher than Wisconsin, Iowa, Kentucky. Illinois has the nation's highest property taxes and spends the eighth most per student in the country. At the end of the day, people need to see data. Otherwise, you're just a tinfoil hat wearing, complaining, Christian conservative. The truth doesn't lie. 10 years of SEL in CPS. SEL stands for social emotional learning. It's basically an offshoot of communism. Conformity, in the name of feelings. There's a big budget in this. Math proficiency in 2010 in Chicago Public Schools was 79% reading, 70% budget of 4.48 billion. By 2021, they lost 63,000 students. Math proficiency was at 17% in 2021, reading proficiency 21% with a budget of 6.37 billion. The 2023 budget for SEL and equity, $30 million. And yet Pedro with the Chicago Public Schools said, this is a wonderful sign of our district's progress. They're always good at backpatting. They're failing these children. And not enough people know about it. So now through the COVID lockdowns and through everything that's happening in the world and culture, they're turning from equity from SEL to mental health. This is where they're going to infuse all kinds of mental health clinics and healthcare into public schools. Guess who else is going to join them? Planned Parenthood, don't think they aren't. So Chicago teacher union hypocrites abound. The teacher union puts out a lot of mailers about us, they don't like us, it's a badge of honor for us. However, they have an enormous amount of power. Don't be deceived, they don't just fund Democrats, they fund Republicans, too. Many people are bought and paid for by the teacher union. You need to know that truth. Stacy Gates, the teacher union president, sends her child to a private school. She makes a handsome six-figure salary. She has been very vocal about removing the Invest in Kids, which is a scholarship program, tax credit scholarship program that's going to be basically removed. How nice for her. Rules for thee, but not me. This is the hypocrisy of people we have entrusted with our children's souls. Shame on them. So my advocacy tip to people who are looking to get organized and tackle everything with our children, get kids out of public education. That to me is a very intentional strategy because there are so many issues to have to fight when it comes to our families and to our freedom. But I've learned over three years, you can exhaust yourself trying to hit every single one. Find one and hit it hard. When you're in advertising, the marketing company knows that to advertise a product, somebody needs to hear it eight times before they actually remember to think about buying it at the grocery store. Advocacy, you have to say it even more times before people will get activated. Hit it and hit it hard. Don't whack a mole. In Illinois, it's like, oh my gosh, well, how many of the other issues? They're going to keep coming. Pick one, and the one that we are most focused on has to do with the sexualization of children, and we are trying to mainstream it in other communities as well, particularly communities that are very comfortable with the concept of public schools, right? In the suburbs, arguably, they are belated to the crystal ball that you already had. So we're trying to make this message fashionable and accessible to regular people.
1: Shannon Adcock with Awake Illinois, awakeil.com. After timeout, we'll continue with her remarks at the Foundations of Faith and Family Conference at the Spirit of Liberty Church of God in Markham. America's chaplain faces jail time for the crime of being an American. Chaplain Stephen Lee tells his story 7 p.m. Tuesday, January 9th at the Church of Christian Liberty in Arlington Heights. Find out more at IllinoisFamily.org. We're gonna fight this thing. This is bigger than me. Chaplain Lee provided pastoral care in the wake of natural disasters, 9-11, Columbine. And when 2020 election fraud charges surfaced in Georgia, he was there to offer spiritual help and guidance but a left-wing prosecutor wants to silence him.
0: This transcends politics,
1: things like faith, family, and freedom. Help Chapel Lee fight for freedom. Join him. 7 p.m., Tuesday, January 9th, at the Church of Christian Liberty in Arlington Heights. Find out more at IllinoisFamily.org. Go to IllinoisFamily.org.
2: With a woman minute look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Once again, a media outlet has discovered that Christian people believe Christian things. Recently, CNN unearthed audio of new house speaker Mike Johnson saying things such as abortion is a holocaust, people are inherently evil, homosexuality is wrong, and government should work to restrain evil. In other news, my six year old likes pizza and Spider-Man. Part of what's going on here is just how far apart a progressive secular vision of the world is from a Christian vision of the world. Part is that at root, our national divisions are in fact personal divisions, and many media elites simply do not even know a Christian, despite their willingness to often assure us of just what a real Christian would say and believe. And part is a failure on our part to be clear on what we believe, with the courage to say it out loud when we're called upon. But remember, the first Christians and our Savior were also misunderstood and maligned, and so we're in good company. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point.
1: For joining Illinois Family Spotlight, we're highlighting remarks made by Shannon Adcock during the Foundations of Faith and Family Conference hosted by the Spirit of Liberty Church of God in Markham, Illinois. Ms. Adcock is the founder and president of Awake Illinois, awakeil.com. In this segment, she discusses the sexual synthetic industry.
0: So, the sexualization of children is the centering issue, I believe, of the parental rights movement. It doesn't matter how you vote or if you've never voted. Nobody wants to see this predation on children. The slash opt-out is the most visited page with thousands of visitors each month. That hasn't changed since that page first launched. So the National Sex Education Standards, so they were developed by radical sex activists. National Sex Education Standards sounds very noble and it sounds accredited. It's not. It was developed by activists. It's very important to remember that. It wasn't a committee of parents and this goody-two-shoe group of people. No, these were radical sexual leftists. Okay, so keep that in mind. Well, guess what? Democrats wanted it signed into law. It was signed into law in August of 2021. It was voted for solely by Democrats. People need to hear this. Because if you want to have a policy discussion, you need to know who is adopting these policies. And it is very much one-sided. School boards do vote on whether or not to adopt these policies, which is why we've been very vocal about who is running for school board and how much control they have over your tax dollars and over the curriculum. So in Advocates for Youth, they are one of the groups that do these lessons. I'm gonna just focus on kindergarten through second grade because they are the most vulnerable to predation. They do not have a constitution to defend themselves, defend their children's in their innocence. We have to do it for them. Understanding our bodies targets kindergarten. So in this lesson, five-year-olds are instructed to use post-it notes labeled penis, anus, and nipples for a class lesson. This is on the website. You can look at the lesson yourself. This was signed into law. If a school district adopts curriculum with the National Sex Education Standards, this is a lesson that the teacher can pull out. Think about what you are doing to a child when they are desensitized to a concept of nipples, anus, and penis in a combined boy-girl room. That is called grooming. And I can tell you how many times conservatives get frustrated with our organization when we use the word grooming. They're uncomfortable with the truth and they're uncomfortable that they have not tackled the truth themselves. But we're extremists because we're speaking the truth. I know we're not. Kindergarten. Now this is the interesting part that people don't necessarily understand when they look at this lesson. It says you will notice that it refers to girls and boys and male and female when identifying parts. Lessons in higher grades use precise language to introduce a broader concept of gender. What does that mean? It means you can be anything you want to be because there is no God but you. Self is God. So for a faithful community, we need to recognize gender ideology is the devil talking. It's luring you and saying, you can be God. You can change your own biological sex. This is being introduced in kindergarten. Park that thought. My Princess Boy is a book that's used. You can go through the text of that. I love my princess boy. Oh, he wants to buy a pink bag. It's normalizing the concept of gender ideology with kindergartners. It's important to see these things. I could just say National Sex Ed Standards, do your research, but people don't do their research. (laughs) There isn't a literacy crisis among our children. It's also among the grownups. So spoon feeding is the right phrase. Have to hand it to you on a silver platter. All right, then that's what I'm gonna do. Come at me, satanic temple. I'm gonna keep talking about this, right? Second grade lesson. When I saw this lesson was when I realized I have to put the full armor over our daughter who's in third grade. She was in first grade when I saw this lesson. This shocked me. This is when we took her out of public school because she was seven. Seven Seven-year-olds are instructed to use post-it notes labeled clitoris, anus, and nipples for a class lesson. Boys and girls together with post-it notes. This is not about stranger danger or recognizing child abuse and trauma in children. This is grooming them to be desensitized to the most personal part of their genitalia. So if they wanna get rid of it at Lurie Children's Hospital Gender Clinic, big deal. Did a post-it note about it in second grade. So they're supposed to read the name of the body part out loud. It's uncomfortable for me to read this to you as grown-ups. Think about what you're doing to a child's brain and psyche when they're reading this in a second grade classroom. So there's the lesson. People need to see this. So imagine that little girl holding that, that word and holding it out in a classroom. So this is something my husband is very good at and I get very frustrated by it because I see this and I'm like, this is evil, this is the devil and I'm done. And he's like, but why? He gets frustrated with me because he does intentional Bible study and he has to break down the word and I'm like, because it's evil and I know it and it's in my heart and I know it. But he's like, why? I need to know why. This is why. The agenda is activism and profit. It is an ideology that is harmful combined with people making money on that agenda. And you have to link this for people because there are analytical minds who can still, even when you've shown them that, they say, well, yeah, but you know, they need to know body parts so they know that they shouldn't have people to, no. Look at who is profiteering off of this. A sexualized child is controllable and profitable. So the activism, the Advocates for Youth, this is right on their website. Tell me how this sounds to you. Advocates for Youth envisions a society in which all young people are valued, respected, and treated with dignity. Sexuality is accepted as a healthy part of being human, and youth sexual development is normalized and embraced. If you read through the whole thing, it reeks of communism. Conformity in the name of your sexuality where anything goes. But it's under the guise of diversity and inclusion and feeling so good. And we wonder why young people get caught up in this, because it has all those noble-sounding words. Don't fall for it. The profit part, is I think one of the most evil components to this, the people that are making money on it. If you go to Great America or you go to Wisconsin, you pass a lot of pharmaceutical buildings in Lincolnshire in that area, AbbVie Pharmaceuticals, Lupron, that's used to castrate sexual predators. They're giving it to children to stop puberty. Does that not give you chills? It's a multi-million dollar industry and a person who adopts this notion of a sexual synthetic identity, as it turns out, makes that industry a lot of money. They are devoted to the need for pharmaceuticals and continued medication for their life. They're sterilized, they're mutilated. They are absolutely destroyed as human beings. Imagine this happening to a child. Governor Pritzker and his family are very much tied to the sexual synthetic industry, and I want you to know this term, sexual synthetic industry for identities, because we can't call it trans, we can't call it gender. This is an industry, sexual synthetic identities. They're always going to change language, so I'm actually very impressed that Jennifer Billick with Tablet Mag came up with this phrase, because that is firm. We are going to call it that no matter what they try and call this movement, right? This predation. And Pritzker and his family are very much tied to it. But too many people in Illinois don't know. So this report came out in August, and it was a memo from the Illinois State Board of Education Comprehensive Personal Health and Safety Sexual Health Education Survey Report. I would just call it the grooming report. Well, I had some parents wondering, is my district doing this? There's no report. Of course there's no report. They don't want you to know. So this report is actually very general, but it it gives some interesting points. The good news is that in 2021 and 2022, right after that bill passed, advocacy did work. How do we know that? Out of 758 schools or districts, only 206 opted in to teaching, overtly with a policy, this radical curricula. That's the good news. Don't get too excited, though, because... I took it upon myself to do a Freedom of Information Act request to get to the nitty-gritty of who actually did the survey and what were the responses by those who were surveyed. So I did a Freedom of Information Act request to the State Board of Education, they fulfilled it, and I pulled the data to know exactly what is happening. And it shows that there is a need for continued parental rights empowerment and opt-out awareness throughout Illinois, urban, rural, doesn't matter. Chicago Public Schools, which has opted in through kindergarten through 12, 55,305 little souls in kindergarten to second grade are opted in. What's in the column for opt out? Zero. Multiply that by third through fifth, sixth through eighth, nine through 12. Zero CPS students according to the survey opted out. How can that be? Now at some point we can blame policy and predation, but we have to recognize this is a parent problem. This is an education problem, and we have our work cut out for us. So of these districts, but Chicago Public Schools, Oswego 308, Springfield 186, Peoria 150, Evanston 65, 287,472 kids unprotected from radical, quote, health and sexual education lessons in these five districts alone. Less than 245 students were opted out in these five districts. Come on. These are numbers, but these are children. And their parents need to be informed. This is hopeful. And I'm very interested what people will take away from this. But these are the top opt-out districts. Top is putting it a little kindly. But Jersey District out of Jerseyville that's north of St. Louis, they had 58 out of uh, 488 third through fifth graders opt out. 113 out of 502 sixth through eighth graders. 136 were opted out in East Prairie, which is Skokie. No, excuse me, 45 out of 136. Des Plaines, 130 out of 1,268. Hazel Crest, 25 out of 90. My takeaway is that Skokie probably has a fair amount of religious opt-outs, heavy Jewish and Muslim population. Uh, Des Plaines has a heavy Hispanic population. Hazel Crest area is that a fairly black population in that area. And then Jerseyville is probably just probably Christian. Could, he, could even be Mormon in that area. We got our work cut out for us still. So our goal as an advocacy organization is, again, we have to show parents the problem before they recognize they need a whole new system or to change their whole family dynamic to homeschool. They're not going to do it until they see that there is a very real crisis happening. So what we want to see is an opt-out trend go up. People want to do what their peers are doing, and if they see more of their peers are opting out, guess what? You're building a case across the state to get your kids out of public school. But when you have zero CPS students opted out, how many parents are gonna see a need to change anything? So we have to get on the record and show that parents are increasingly opting their children out, right, until they're willing to build a new system or exit. So full disclosure, my son out of 800 some middle school students in seventh grade is the only student opted out in the entire school. And I'm a very vocal parent and I have texted numerous parent groups about this. They still haven't done it. This is what we have to overcome. My kid goes to the library and he's embarrassed and I know he's frustrated and my oldest kiddo who's now a freshman was annoyed because they are being singled out and I always come back to this, your homework is done after school and you're not being indoctrinated and they get it, they get it, but still it's not easy being the outcast and our family has very much become an outcast in our neighborhood so this is just unfortunately where we are, deal with it. This is a giant contagion around the country and around the world. In Europe, it has stopped because they've been sued for doing the Lupron and all these trans surgeries that have gone bonkers. America is late. Parents cannot be late to this issue, particularly girls, particularly girls dealing with depression and anxiety, particularly girls dealing with depression and anxiety and are on the spectrum with autism. These are highly preyed upon personalities. Parents need to know. This is something to ask your peers, with children in schools? And I don't care if it's public or private. What comes to mind, to a teacher's mind, when they see your student's name on the class roster? Can they pick you out of a car line or out of a classroom of parents when they look out at meet the teacher night? Do they say, oh, John Smith, I know the mom and dad, or the guardian, foster parent? Or do they say, I have no idea who this, who this kid belongs to. I never get any questions about their homework. Certainly don't have any opt-out forms on file for them. If your child is going to be ranked by ease of predation, whether it's ideological, moral, religious, political, sexual, there's a reason why missing and exploited kids, the high rates, come from broken homes, homes where there's substance abuse, trauma, et cetera. A child who is not properly guarded is easy prey. And it's no different for a child coming from the middle, upper middle class, low class, whatever it is, on that roster. What is coming to mind for that child when somebody sees your child's name? When they see Adcock on the roster, I guarantee you they say, don't mess with that mama's babies. I already sued Pritzker in my district over the forcing the masks on their faces. You're not going to do that to my child. Somebody coughed in a 25-foot radius of them, and you're telling them they can't go to school? No. Guess what? We won. And if you do any of this to my child, I'll see you all over again. Right? So this is something that you have to think about. What comes to mind when your child is in anyone's care? The pastor's care? The youth group's care? The camp's care? The school's care? Do they know you are an intentional parent making eye contact with them? Whenever I email the school, I, say, I sign the email, Shannon and John Adcock. I don't just say Shannon Adcock. No, there is a dad in the house. And I don't care if you have an uncle. If you have a pastor, you sign those names too. You CC a male figure in your family. CC the pastor. Those opt-out forms, you got them, right? CC pastor. Imagine that. What comes to mind? You need to think about that. So some considerations. Are the parents or guardians known to the school staff who's sending emails to the teachers? Did parents submit the opt-out forms? And are you asking questions about the curricula that shows you're paying attention? Again, this is private school, this is public school, this is co-op, what's going on with my kid? So intentional fathers are joining this movement in greater numbers in Illinois, and I'm very grateful. A father figure, I don't care if it's a pastor, I don't care if it's an uncle, I don't care if it's a spouse, I don't care if it's a brother, it makes a difference. Fifteen of me going up to a principal or a superintendent is less than one dad going to speak to them. And dads are rising. And it's the sexualization of children that's really getting them into advocacy, and I'm grateful. Men are awake. So I'm very grateful. The other point I want to make is that churches and faith leaders have a real opportunity to empower congregants on the opt-out and onto the realities that are happening. So we have to pressure our pastors and all the faith leaders, not just Christians, but all the faith leaders on what is happening with the war on children, the war on biological truth, and the war on scripture. So some considerations for faith communities to ask these questions. Are pastors preaching from the pulpit that God doesn't make boys and girls wrong? They aren't. But I know that some parents are leaning into this with their children when they're confused, I have sincere empathy for families that are dealing with this trauma. I talk with them because I have to learn as an advocate leader what their experiences are, right? To know all of these stories. And they are devastated when a clinician says, your child will kill themselves if you don't let them transition. Families are in very real crisis when they are preyed upon. We cannot let this happen. It's going to happen, but we have to limit it. This predation will stop and we have a duty to educate people so we can halt it sooner. Thank you.
1: Shannon Adcock with Awake Illinois during the Foundations of Faith and Family Conference hosted by the Spirit of Liberty Church of God in Markham, Illinois. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute. If you'd like to give, click Donate on the IllinoisFamily.org homepage or call IFI at 708-781-9328. Be sure to join IFI for a special forum on dangerous drugs, 7 p.m. Monday, January 22nd at Grace Fellowship Church in Oak Forest. To find out more, click events at IllinoisFamily.org. Also, go to IllinoisFamily.org to sign on for IFI email updates. Keep IFI in your prayers and tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless.
0: For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback@ifiaction.org. at